Well, Karen is going to bring the word tonight, so let's give the Lord a hand clap for what he's going to do through her tonight. Thank you. So sweet. Praise the Lord. You know, it's such an honor to be with all of you tonight. You are family, and I love family. It's the most important thing in the world, and thank you so much for coming. Appreciate that. If you have your Bibles, which I know you all do in this house, will you open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1? 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 13. We're going to talk about those sheep that Jen mentioned that were following the shepherd. And that's what we are. We're sheep. We're following the shepherd Jesus. And we're going to just take a, a little bit of time talking about our sojourning and the importance of it. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lust, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here in fear and reverence, knowing that you were not redeemed with the corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by traditions from your father, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last times for you, who through him believed in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love for one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this good word of God. We're asking that you will give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him that our eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, and grant us to be strengthened with the might through your spirit in our inner man, that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that we being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that we may be filled with the fullness of God. 
And Father, our prayer tonight is that our love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that we can approve all things that are excellent, that we will be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Can you say amen? Well, those were three prayers from Ephesians and one from Philippians, and it's praying the word. And you can pray those over yourself, over your children, your grandchildren. And the Lord said, I look over my word to perform it. He will look over those words as you speak them out in faith. It is his living word. Amen. All right. In Second Peter, if you open your turn to Second Peter, we're going to look at, um, let's see, where was I looking? Second Peter chapter 1. Let's start with, boy, where do we start? Let's start with two. You know, I love to read the word of God out loud because you not only see it with your eyes, but you hear it. And faith comes by hearing. I've recently started to uh, phone my uh, grandchildren up in New Hampshire and we're reading the Bible together. And it blesses me probably probably more than them, but it's been a, just a beautiful blessing. In verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied to you. See, now take this personal because the Bible is a personal letter to you. So in my Bible, it's not you, it's me. I literally put my name in it or make it personal. So I read it, grace and peace be multiplied unto me in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord, as his divine power has given to me all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called me by glory and virtue, by which have been given to me exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these I may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust, but also for this reason, giving all diligence, add to my faith. Virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, care, and perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, then guess what? You're not, you're not going to be neither barren or unfruitful. In the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, those things you just read, honey, if you do them, you'll never stumble. There's not too many nevers in the Bible. I pay attention to those. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in this present truth. Yes, I think it's right 
as long as I'm in this tent to stir you up by reminding you. Glory to God. God wants us to stir ourselves up in the truth of God's word. That's why he said, faith cometh by hearing. And if he had his way, it'd be hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing all the way into eternity. Amen. Because we have to remind ourselves of these truths all the time, every day. Colossians chapter 2. Let's look at Colossians. And we're going to look at chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you've been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Let's take this verse apart. It's so rich with words that are so weighty. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus... Well, how did you receive Christ Jesus? Do you remember the moment? Do you ever think about that moment? It's how you start it. And I'm just going to say this for the airwaves because I know it doesn't pertain to anybody in this place. You receive Jesus by repenting. That's the first step. Acknowledging that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. And you're not it. <laughs> Jesus is. Acknowledging that and acknowledging that when you repent, that means a change of course. It doesn't mean I have grace to keep on sinning. Grace is not there to enable you to keep on sinning. Grace is there to empower you not to sin anymore. Amen. Can I hear a big amen on that? That's what grace is for. And that's the grace that God's given his kids. Because repentance is, I hate my sin. I hate that addiction. I hate that habit that doesn't produce fruit, good fruit. And I hate it. Now, you may fall into that and sin from now and again, but you hate it. And you repent of it. And you go forward. Believing God that his grace is going to empower you so you don't do it again. Amen? Well, if you've received Jesus that way, you have entered into 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Are become new, if you study it out, in the Greek means present progressive today and going forward. It's all you have is today. You don't have yesterday. It's gone and you don't have tomorrow. It's not here yet. So you have today, 24 hours. So present progressive, you are believing and and acting in the fact that you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. That old man and the lust of it is long gone. As far as God's concerned. We're to have the mind of Christ, right? Yes? And think like he thinks. So if it's long gone, it's long gone. And you have to see yourself as a new creature in Christ Jesus. Empowered 
by his grace to live that way. Amen? So walk in it. That's what we're talking about. Walk in it. If you're a new creature, behold the new. Keep your eyes on the new man, the new creature in Christ Jesus. Keeping your eyes on the Lord, the author, the beginning and the end of your faith. Now, rooted in him. Well, what does that mean? Rooted. You only get rooted if you stay in one place long enough to grow. Amen? Lots of church hoppers out there. You know, uh, the Bible says they go here and there to get their ears tickled. To hear what they want to hear. When God puts a finger on something in their life, they're out the door to the next place. But see, God wants you to be rooted in the one place so you can grow long enough. And is that always easy? No. Because we're one big family, and as you know, if you have a family with siblings, we are all working on our salvation. And we come up rubbing shoulders against one another, and sometimes it's bristly. Sometimes people say things that you don't want to hear. Come on now. You know how it's in a family. You All of you have little kids. <laughs> You're going through it. You're seeing that. But God wants us all to grow up. I'm going to say something that's going to free some people here. Your father is not looking for perfection. There's only one perfect person, and he left 2,000 years ago. What your father is looking for in you and I is growth. Growth. Growing up in him. That's what he's looking for. You should be able to look behind for a minute and see, wow, I'm not the, I'm not the same I, as I was there a month, three months, six months, a year ago. I have grown. I've gotten fresh revelation of the Lord that I'm walking in. I've just believed the truth of the word and I've let go and forsaken that stuff. I'm different than what I was. That is what blesses your father. Now that should take the pressure off of performance mentality once and forever from you. He's not looking for perfection. It's a lie of the enemy. So get free and say, I'm, I, what I want to do is just grow and enjoy growing. Enjoy the process and the journey. He wants you to enjoy it. In 1 Corinthians 12, 18, it says that God has set members, each one in them, in the body as he pleases. Not as you please. But as he pleases, turn to Psalms uh, 92, 12 and 14. Psalms 92, 12 and 14. Look at verse 12. Remember, this is part of root being rooted long enough so that you can be built up in him by, let me just say this, by other people that have something that you need to build you up, and the fact that you have something that they need to build you up. It's like pieces of a puzzle. 
I love that. I just equate the body of Christ to like a puzzle. Every piece is important. Every piece has a place. And every piece is important to the, the other pieces in the puzzle. That's how valuable you are. It establishes you in the faith. Jesus said, when I come back, will I find faith? What is it that pleases the Father? Faith. So being rooted and built up will establish you in the faith. So that you're abounding. Didn't we just read that in Second Peter? Abounding in all the nature of God. And with it, it will cause such great thanksgiving in your heart because you're seeing the Lord work in your life. And there's no greater joy. Amen. Psalms 92 says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in their old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. The church is not merely a building for worship. It's a community of God's people, his faithful people, his kids who follow him. And like any family, like I said, we're all working out that new man. And we need each other. We need each other. We're not islands unto ourselves. I love the picture of the geese. What a beautiful example of the body of Christ. The formation and how the leader buffets the wind for the rest of the geese. But there is a, there's a chain, there's a, everybody takes a part in that, in the geese. But they're in formation. They're going together. And then you might see a little geese over here, way off from the formation. They're easy picking of the enemy. They're out there on their own, doing their own thing. And they're easy picking. I'm telling you, it's not the place to be. In the body of Christ. Don't let anyone's disobedience cause you not to obey the Lord. Don't ever give anybody power over your life like that. You be obedient to the Lord and follow his leading for your life. Amen. So in this family, what the Lord is doing is he's pruning all the dead branches, the lies, the traditions of men, the baggage of the past. All the while, we're understanding that we're new creatures in Christ Jesus, and we're walking in the light of that truth. We need each other to do that. God set it up that way. And I just believe it. You are the currency of the kingdom of God. You're his greatest asset. You are the most valuable thing that he ever created. People are God's currency in his kingdom. That's you. And that's me. Amen. It's not the things of this world. We are eternal. We're going to live forever. And for those of us who are born again, we're going to live forever with the Lord, our maker, our creative. Glory to God. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. 
and we're talking about our journey. You know, I look at the Old Testament, and I've been fascinated with the Israelites for, for a long time. I couldn't believe how they could see so many miracles and wonders that God did for them, in, in particular for them, and walk away a few days and start complaining and murmuring. I couldn't, I can't wrap my head around that, although I'm of the same nature and I've done it myself. But I look at the Israelites as in the, it says in the Bible, it's been written, the Old Testament has been written for and recorded for us as an example, what to do and what not to do. Do you ever think about it that way? So here's the Israelites that God brought out of Egypt. So there was a great deliverance from slavery. How many have been delivered from slavery, from the kingdom of hell? All right, so you've been brought out and delivered. How many have been come through the waters of baptism? Yeah? Like the Israelites went through the Red Sea. So now they're stepping on the other side. And where are they? They're in a desert. They, God did not expect them to be there 40 years. But because of their complaining and murmuring, not experiencing the deliverance and the miracles and the signs and the wonders that God did for them, they chose to complain and murmur. So they never made it into the promised land. Is that an example for us? It is. We are the most blessed people on the face of the earth in so many ways. The list, the scroll could go out the door. Especially now, in these days, especially. I think we're all realizing that more and more. So here they were sojourning, pilgrims. And uh, what was the most important thing? For them to realize, acknowledge, and get is right here in Jeremiah 20. What did I say? 10, 9, verse 23. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this. That he understands and knows me. There it is. That's it. That should be our pursuit in life, to get to know who our God is. Not just what he does, not just what he said, but who he is. Let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, saith the Lord. So getting to know him. The greatest knowledge is knowing who God is. His character. His integrity. The motives of his heart which is always love, and love always gives, and love always gives choice. 
It's not controlling, it's not manipulating, it's not selfish or self-centered or after some deceitful gain. No, God is love. And we know that because his word declares it. And his character has manifested it in our lives. And we know that. We have seen it. 1 John 4.16 says, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. It is his nature. It's the very essence of who he is. And God gives. He is not a taker. On the other hand, John 10.10 says it's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life more abundant. Some of us just need to know who our enemy is, and it's not God. How do we know that? Well, we know what the word, what his word has said. So we're all on this personal journey. And the question is, what has God said to you? And who is God to you? Can I give you a powerful truth? People who pray a lot and read the Bible a lot and have a lot of joy and walk in a great peace, they fight for it. There's a battle that they fight for that. It's not a special gift. They're not singled out special people. They just desire it and really fight for it. They fight to get to know the person of this word and experience his heart, the motives of his heart, what he's thinking, listening to his heartbeat and what he's saying. They fight for it. And guess what? <laughs> Jesus leveled the playing field for everybody. You can have as much of Jesus as you want. So help yourself. <laughs> Just spend more time with them. Be still and listen because he's got a lot to say to you. And enjoy his company because he enjoys yours. And bless him with all your heart because he wants to bless you. It's such a beautiful, rich relationship that the Lord is longing for. And you can have it as much as you want. No one's holding it back but us. Ephesians chapter 4. So in this sojourning that we're in right now, this good fight of faith, this is what we do. In Ephesians 4, look at verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him, and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. How many of you know that this is the absolute truth on the earth today? The only truth on the earth today is right here. You've got it. It's in your hand. It's the truth. Boy, it's so important to know it too. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you say, that's me. Put off concerning your former conduct. That's when you were in the kingdom of darkness with lustful, deceitful 
habits, addictions, and all that kind of stuff. That's that. He says, put that off concerning your formal conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. See, there's a growth, but it's not the growth you want. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, the renewing of your mind, according to the word of God, understanding what God says about you and your day and your future, filling yourself up and what, how God sees you, what he has said about you, not the voices of the past, not even what's in your head sometimes, but the truth of the word. Be renewed in that. You renew that. You're the master of your thoughts. You're the one who says, no, I'm not listening to that. That's a lie from the enemy. You're the one who combats that. No one else. And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying that every one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. You know, sometimes when I'm counseling with somebody, I have said this, what I'm about to say may risk our relationship, but it is the truth. May I proceed? I get permission because some people don't want to hear it. And when you, when you proceed, what you're going to do is give the truth and love. Because when you're deceived, you can't see it. Others can. Come on now. Others can. Because we're all spiritual. And you're a spirit and you're filled with Jesus. Yes, you can. That's why you can be a help to your neighbor. You can be help helpful to one another. But we have got to be humble enough to receive the truth when it's spoken. See, if, if you want to defend your right to be wrong, have at it. You'll stay stuck. You'll go around that mountain again and again and again. But God doesn't want that for you. He wants you to be free. And that freedom comes with looking at the word and saying, I believe it. I love the truth. I embrace the truth. I make that truth me. And the more and more you say that, the more you do that, it becomes you. Amen. See, that's growth. That's growth. It's really that simple, too. So this kind of knowing, what does it do? It produces a faith in a God who knows best. Some of you remember the, the show, Father Knows Best. Boy, that's dating you out there too. But Father Knows Best, and he does. You can't have faith without biblical knowledge, right? Not true faith. We have to know what God has said about himself, about you, and about your future in order to have, in order to believe him and have faith. Romans 10, 14 says, how shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him of whom they have not heard? 
And how shall they hear without a preacher? I see a lot of preachers out here. You're all a preacher. You all got the word of God in you. We're all to declare the truth of God's word. So let's talk a little bit today, tonight, about faith and presumption. All right, let's, let's just give you an example. Let's say a woman was in a very bad marriage, had children, and she was abused and hurt very deeply and then finally abandoned. And she's in that state now where she's very um, depressed, doesn't see the light at the end of the tunnel, uh, has no hope, no joy, no nothing. She's just like a piece of board. And she walks in the church, and the pastor singles her out and calls her up and then finds out what the problem is and then prays for her and gives her some scriptures. Well, she goes out the door, and nothing changes. She continues to just walk like a zombie and not really have any faith, any hope, any joy, nothing. Then all of a sudden, she gets a phone call. And her girlfriend called and said, guess what? I had a dream last night. I saw your, your husband in your house. And he was in your kitchen. And you were both talking. And he had joy. And you had joy. And, and I think you're getting back together. So she comes in the church the next couple days. And there's joy all over her. And the pastor says, wow, what happened? And she said, oh, my girlfriend called me. She had this dream and said my husband was coming back. And I just, I'm excited about that. Is that faith? No. No, that's not faith. Well, let's look at it a different way. Same woman, same problems, depressed, discouraged, doesn't feel like she has any way out of anything big problems, troubles. And the pastor is encouraging her, you know, praying for her. And other people are in the church. And one Sunday she comes in and there's joy on her, unnoticeable joy. And the pastor comes up and says, wow, I, I noticed that there's a change in you. What's happening? And she said, well, pastor, you know, I've been really feeling the love of God from the people in this church. And I've been meditating and reading the Bible and especially those specific scriptures that you gave me. You know, Isaiah 54, that my maker is my husband. And Psalm 68, where he is the father to my, father, to my children. I've just been really thinking about it and meditating on it and saying, is this really true for me? Is this really true? Can this really happen for me? And one day I just said, yes, I believe what Jesus said for me. And pastor, I'm, I don't know what the road is ahead of me. It might be a hard struggle. I might be alone the rest of my life. I don't know. But one thing I do know, God is my maker and he's a father to my children. And by golly, I'm going to have the joy of the Lord and believe that. Is that faith? Yes. Yes. Why? She put faith in the living word. The living word. Pulsating with life. Pulsating with joy and promise for a bright future. 
she made that change within her own heart. That is faith. So how did, what did that produce? What did that faith produce in her? Joy. It's unmistakable. Faith and joy are Siamese twins. It's not in the Bible. I just came up with that. Because I'm telling you from personal experience, I know that you can't be in true faith without an element of joy. I'm, I'm just speaking that. It's just a personal thing that I've seen in my own life. So this joy... Um, it's not circumstances. Joy is not based on circumstances. And we know that. Circumstances are movable. They're shakeable. They're temporal. And we just know that that doesn't work, right? It, joy is independent of circumstances. So joy and faith come together and work and strengthen you from your, in your inner man. Faith in a living word. And we read that in Ephesians 1. We started off with that. Lord, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. God wants our faith to be rooted in the word. Experiences will come, but we don't base our faith in experiences. We base it on the solid rock of his word. Now let's turn to uh, Hebrews 11, which is kind of called the faith chapter in the Bible. I don't know if you, I'm sure you've all read it, but I, I would hope you'd read it again. Uh, my Bible, I circle, uh, exclamation point, highlight, <laughs> things that really s speak to me. But if you look in, in 11, it says, now faith is a substance of things hoped for, for the evidence of things not seen. And then look at verse three, by faith, we understand by faith, Abraham, Abel offered to God. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Sarah. And it goes through a whole litany of faith. Isaac and Joseph and Moses and all the different uh, great prophets of God and circumstances that these people went through. It was by faith that they overcame and were victorious. We should take notice. Amen? Because faith is what pleases the Lord. But look in, in specifically in verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go. He went out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. God told him to go. And so he went. He didn't know what it was going to look like. He didn't have any clue, but he just obeyed what the Lord said. Let's turn to Romans chapter 4 and see his personal journey of faith. In, in Romans 4, in verse 17, it says, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and cause those things that be not as though they did, who contrary to hope in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. 
so shall your descendants be. Now look at Abraham, called the father of faith. Somebody to really emulate as an example of how we can live in this side of, of the, in the New Testament. Not being weak in faith. Well, how do you be strong in faith? Faith comes by the word. You become strong in faith by looking and hearing the word of God. He did not consider his own body. He didn't look at the natural. He didn't look at the checkbook. He didn't look at the symptoms. You know, he didn't look at his own body, although already dead since he was 100 years old and the deadness of his wife Sarah's womb as well. He did not waver at the promise of God. What does James say about a double-minded man? Will not receive anything from the Lord. Do you, do you hear the seriousness of God in that scripture? A double-minded man will receive nothing from the Lord. It, it bears meditating on. It bears coming before the Lord yourself and saying, will you please give me revelation on this scripture? I need to know what you mean about being double-minded. See, I, don't you just love that Jesus wants to reveal himself to you as an individual more than you want to know? But he just wants to know if you're serious with him. Amen? It's the truth. He didn't waver at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. I want you to see something here. Giving glory to God strengthened his faith. There's something about praise. There is something about thanksgiving that is such a strong inner strength that changes the entire atmosphere all around you. Romans 1 talks about how people fall into sin. There's steps of it. The first one is they neglected giving God the glory. First step. How important is every day, which is the only time we have, that we start off and percolate all day long giving God glory? Can we? Do you have enough things in your life that you can thank him for? Can you get in the habit of doing that? Yes. Will that strengthen your faith in a glorious God that's not withholding one good thing from you? That's what his word says. As we walk upright in him. Let's not forget that little clause. Because the promises of God are true, but are you cooperating with God to receive them? Come on now, family. So strengthen yourself, giving glory and being fully convinced that what he had promised, what God spoke to him, he was able to perform. Do you believe what God has said for you? Do you believe what he said to you? Do you believe what he said about you? It was accounted unto Abraham as righteousness. It's so amazing. What an amazing story about Abraham. And it's no different for us. 
Just like Abram, we put faith in the loving character of God and what has come out of his mouth for me. Remember, make it personal. Because God, it's a personal love letter for you. So now if you know God, you know that he's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness. You know he's all of that. You've experienced it. The word says it. You believe it and you know that. And he's been that way towards you. You can't be, you can't help but be filled with the joy of the Lord. Because that's what you think about. It has just become, his character has just become you. He's been all that to you. You've read it. You believe it. Now you're filled with the joy of the Lord. And you're not looking at yourself anymore. You're not looking at your circumstances. You're looking to Jesus and the revelation that the truth and the comforter brings you on a daily basis. Real faith produces real joy. Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And this strength in your trials, your tribulations, your temptations, it comes from the heart of the Father. His nature, his personhood, his works, his promises. My joy has to be based on his word and the character behind it. God is love. God is love. It's independent of your circumstances. Don't ever base your faith and your joy on what's going on in your life. We live in a fallen world with a real enemy who seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. And it comes with all of us. We're not, no one's immune to it. While you're sojourning, until you step into that promised land and the fullness of your salvation is redeemed, we are sojourning. In a fallen, perverse generation world where the devil is our enemy. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for sure. God is so good. I want to, let's turn to Hebrews 13. Then I'm going to tell you a particular story that happened to me. Some of you probably have heard it. But it was a life-changing story thing for me. Hebrews 13 verses 12 and 15, it says, therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Thereby, therefore by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. You can always find something to be thankful for. Are you born again? Do you know the fact that you are born is a miracle? If you've ever watched the miracle of birth from the very beginning, you, 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 my eyes went, whoa, wow. It's a miracle that I was born. But to be born again? But to be born again? Jesus said, few men find it. Jesus said, that road is 
narrow. The road to, to disaster and destruction is wide. For you to be born and now born again, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. I'm your child, born again, living in the kingdom of God right now, being led by the Holy Spirit, filled with the nature of God, Jesus in me, Christ in me, the hope of glory. I'm looking for you, Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. And you can go on and on and on and praise your way right out of anything. Amen. So, my little story, and I hope my son doesn't mind if I share this, but it's so long ago. <laughs> Kevin was in high school, and I was um, supposed to pick him up from work, and I was late. I was literally upstairs reading the Bible, doing a Bible study. True story. And I just lost track of time, and I just looked at the time and I ran downstairs. I remember thinking I literally could have broke my neck. I went down those steps so fast. But I didn't want to be late picking him up. But I was. And he was walking home and, and he must have had a really bad day at work. Because he got in the car and he slammed the door. And he was not nice to his mom. Now that was then. He's fabulous today. <laughs> You talk about growth. It's a huge tree of growth. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. But back then, oh, and the words pierce my heart. I mean, a dagger would have felt better than those words. And, and then he slammed the door and got out and, when we got home. And then I, I'm, I'm in the car going, I know if I go in the house, my flesh is going to take over. And I'm going to say words that I know I will regret for the rest of my life. That's a true story. So because I was growing in this Proverbs 18, death and life from the power of the tongue, I'd heard this, I was being taught this in church for the first time ever because I was the best complainer and murmurer on the face of the planet. I had so many problems. I never saw the light at the end of the tunnel, and all I could do is talk about them, and I did. I did really well. Oh, I was. I was the best. So when I came to church and started hearing the truth about how powerful my words were, many times I was in the fork of the road, and now I started gulping. Do I really want to say that? Well, the word says I shouldn't. Because if I do, I'm digging my hole deeper. I mean, I started thinking about all this stuff. The word brought an intellect of thinking to my mind. And I started making better choices. So I decided I couldn't go in. <laughs> so I turned the car back on and went down the dirt road in the pitch dark. And I, I don't know, I was probably crying. But I surely, surely was complaining. And... Uh, but I was by myself, which was a little better. <laughs> and as I was going, I had a vision. I had an open vision. If, I, if it wasn't the Lord, it would have scared the critters out of me. But it was the Lord. And he had something to get to me. And what it was is I was on a cliff. 
And as a swimmer, you always curl your toes over the edge so you don't fall or you don't have a false start. And there I was on the cliff with my, I mean, it was such a detailed vision. My toes literally were curled over. And as I looked down, here was this big, glorious, glittering, best kind of blue pool water I ever saw in my life. And there were people in there. And the people had party hats. And they had those little tutu things. Yep. And they were walking around this pool. And I remember looking and going, wow, that looks so beautiful. Wow. And all of a sudden, a man looked up to me and saw me. And in slow motion, he said, come on down. It's wonderful. And I'm, I'm up there literally swaying whether or not I'm going to go into this. And in that second, they all moved from the middle of the pool and in big, bold, black letters was pity party. And the vision left. And I sat there and I thought, pity party. Wow. And then from my spirit floated up these words. And David encouraged himself in the Lord. That was God helping me to overcome. And I seized the opportunity. My visitation was not going to be void. And I lifted my hands and I said, Lord, thank you for that. That was a visitation of you. And I get it. And I'm going to embrace that truth. I'm going to take it as mine. And all the way home, I just praised the Lord. Praise God for my son. Praise God for everything I could think of. By the time I got home, I was one great big bundle of joy. Praise my way right out of a real trap of the enemy. A snare of the devil. Ran upstairs. I remember sitting down and the Lord gave me a whole Bible teaching on Thanksgiving. Being, having a thankful heart. True story. And I'm sure you have some very similar how God just uh, interrupted something to make himself known to you. And he does that because he wants us to grow. He wants us to make good choices in life because all we have is this day. Having faith, knowing our God, having faith in our God produces the joy and a trust to embrace truth which leads us to obedience. Now, obedience is a big deal to God, as we all know. Amen? Obedience is to hear God's word, act on it. Everybody say act on it. It's not just about hearing his word. It's about applying it to your life. Hearing and trusting, submitting, surrendering to him and his word. It's so important that we understand it's not just about gathering information and the knowledge of the word. It is applying it to your life because that's what God says. There's your victory. There's your overcoming victory is what you do with the word of God. Amen. All right. So let me, uh, 
give you an example of obedience. And let's turn to the book of James. And I'm going to pick on some people. <laughs> I love that. Oh. You single people, you single girls and single boys. You, believe me. <laughs> All right. I'm going to give you a scenario. All right. Let's say you made a list of what you want in a future mate. You just wrote that list out. Every detail of everything is on that list. And you know exactly what you want, all right? You're probably laughing because you probably have all done that. So this guy or girl comes along into your life, and all of a sudden, your eyes get this big, and you, you realize that this person has everything on that list, everything, you're checking it off in your mind and your heart and going, oh, God finally brought him to me. Oh, praise the Lord. I've been patiently waiting. And thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're so happy. Finally. So you get to talking to this person that everything is checked off. And at the end of your conversation, you find out, they're not born again. Not born again. They're not born again. They're not born again. They don't want anything to do with God. They've got a great life. They're wealthy. They're professional. They're handsome. They're all the things you had on your list. But they're not born again. He asked you out for a date. Been there. Okay, Lord, come on now. You wouldn't do this to me. I know you wouldn't do this to me. This is what I've been believing for. You know what I've been believing for this. No way did you do this to me. No. I can change him. I know I can change him. I got the love of the Lord, the door of the Lord. He'll be so happy to be around me. He will get bored again. I know he will. Keep speaking that. Keep speaking that, girl. That's the truth. Yeah, that's the truth. Oh, but, uh, hey, hey, you do know what the Bible says. The Bible says, don't be yoked with unbelievers. Now, listen, I'm, I'm speaking the truth to you. Don't listen to that truth. Come on, the guy's here. He's got all the things on your list. Or the girl. <sighs> What do I do? What do I do? I know a potential date is a potential mate. I know that. I've heard that. I have. I've heard it said before. I, I know it's true. Listen to the word. You know you've been going to church. You know the truth. Jesus always is for your best. Don't. That's God really said. 
come on. You really can, you can get this. He'll change. He'll be born again before you get really emotionally tied in. Come on. Don't do it. Don't do it. You know what the word says. The word is the truth. So now, the Lord brings you to James 1. Now, you can apply that to any temptation. All right? So read this. Now, listen to these words. James 1, verse 12. Blessed is a man who endures temptation. (laughs) For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Who's the tempter? The devil. But each one is tempted when he, say that's me, is drawn away. By his desires, what he wants, and now enticed. (laughs) Then, when desire has conceived, given in, it gives birth to sin. What is sin? Disobedience. Disobedience to what? The word of God. So when it gives birth to sin, now it's full grown and brings forth what? Death. Death in finances, death in relationships, death, death, death. Do be, do not be deceived, my beloved. You see how we need each other? Now, don't disconnect verse 17 from the context of temptation. Verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variance or shadow of turning. So when you look at your situation, you have a choice. The devil's here telling you, do it, do it, do it. Fulfill your desires. Fulfill your lusts. Be the same old, same old. Keep going around that mountain. Keep staying in that addiction, those bad habits. It's okay. And you pause. And you breathe. And you say, God loves me. He is my father, and he knows what's best for me. I know I'm being tempted to take a secondary, faulty, perverse alternative instead of God's good and perfect gift. See, obedience, if you want to narrow it down, is nothing but God's good and perfect gift. That's obedience. And you get to choose if you want to allow your flesh to rule and reign in any given situation. 
on any given day or if you want to partake of God's good and perfect gift. And that choice, family, is up to you and I. But it's always available. Isn't that beautiful? It's beautiful. So next time you're tempted, just say, wait a minute. Is that a good and perfect gift from God? And I'm telling you, you will already know the answer to that. We do know the answer to that. It's inside of us. What does that produce? Peace and security in our heart. We can have it because God has given us the instruction book on how to navigate forward through life by his commandments and his Holy Spirit. Our Father always offers us what is good and perfect for our growth, for our earthly journey as his children. It's available for each and every one of us. Submitting yourself to the word, the will of God, it doesn't limit you. It increases you. It increases your joy. It increases your faith. It increases your freedom. You know, all true freedom comes from, from Jesus. Jesus is the one who set us free. Not the government, not the laws, none of that. Jesus is the one who set us all free. He is the ultimate freedom, spirit, soul, and body for each one of us. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And we're going to look at verse 10. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. We've got to take heed on what we're doing with this life and the day and every day that we have. How are we building? For no other foundation can anyone lay which is that which is laid except for Jesus Christ. If your foundation is not Jesus Christ, forget the building. Just forget it. But if it is Jesus Christ, you have a choice. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, straw, that's your choice. You can, you can build with goods, gold, silver, and precious gems that, that when are thrown in the fire on that day of judgment where you'll be rewarded for the works of your body, they will not burn up. They'll come out of that fire, and you'll be rewarded on that. But if it's wood, hay, and straw, it'll all be burned up. You'll be saved, but there'll be no reward or little of it. Each one's work will become clear for the day. Everybody say, the day. will declare it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. And you know, if you used to get report cards, it was not just your scholastic uh, ability, it was your conduct. You got marked on both, and God's marking us on both. You know, there's one thing about being obedient, there's another thing being obedient with a good attitude. And God looks at that in each one of us. If anyone's work which has been built on endures, he will receive a reward. 
If anyone's work is burned, he'll suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So what do we do as we're walking in this sojourning in this time before we step into that day? We examine ourselves. We judge ourselves. We take heed to ourselves. We keep ourselves in the love of God. We establish ourselves in the word of God. That's something that I do for myself and for the Lord because we represent him. We want to emulate our Father. We want to look like that. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were called and have confessed. Ephesians 6.10 says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. God wants you to operate in his spirit in his word, so you can have his results, which is good and perfect. Two more scriptures. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. But what things were gained to me, this is Paul, these things I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ, to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which has come through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. This is what the Lord wants for us. He wants us to know him. And Paul goes on and says, not that I've already attained or am, uh, that I'm perfect. Don't you love that about Paul? But I press on that I may hold of that which Christ Jesus has laid up for me. Brother, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Well, you better pay attention to the one thing. Forgetting those things which are behind me, the good, the bad, and the ugly. If you hold on to the good things that are in your past, you can build yourself a nice little idol. If you, hold, if you look to the, the bad things in your past, you'll stay depressed, discouraged, and spinning your wheels. God says, just forget it all. Forget those things which lay behind you and reach that's an action. Reach forward to those things that are ahead of you. Press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. My favorite scripture in the whole Bible, I'm just going to share it to you because I meditate on this a lot because... It's important that we do. The early Christians were willing to lay their life down in the Colosseums, in the lion dens, being torched alive because of this verse that I'm going to show you. They, not, they didn't just live 
for the temporal here and now. They had their eyes on that day, that city that God made with his own hands. And Ephesians 2, 7 is really why Jesus came. It's really why he came. Ephesians 2, 7. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceedingly riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Yes, live fully your day, because that's all you have. Live it for Jesus. Live it in love. Live it in accordance with the word of God. Be filled with the fruit of righteousness in your day. But live compounding your days for that day. Where you will stand before the Lord one day and give an account of the works in your body. See, if you have one eye on today and live it for the Lord and one eye on that day, you will live for the Lord today because you're compounding toward that day. The ages to come where the Lord will exceedingly bless you with his riches and kindness. That's what I'm living for. How about you? As I'm living with, in a fallen world, in this time of sojourning in the flesh, Keep your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. He loves you. He knows what's best for you. He sees the whole picture from beginning to end. You only see this, but he sees it all. And that's where we have to end. That's where we have to end our, our days are, is in Proverbs 4. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, let's worship. Glory to God. And let's just thank the Lord. He's so good to us. He's such a good and faithful father. He loves you infinitely every moment of your life and meditate on, on scripture and meditate on these words and let them take root in your heart, especially when you're going through a storm or a tough time. The truth is the truth. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Let you all to stand with us. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. Hallelujah. Y'all doing okay tonight? Yeah. Praise God. <laughs> Happy to be here with all of you. Let's have a little bit of a time before we go home tonight rejoicing together, okay? Amen.
Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for the perfect gift that you've given us that's enabled us all to call you Father, a good and faithful Father that you are, that we can experience who you are in our lives by your precious word, Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for the upgrade of Revelation tonight. Lord, let it take root in each one of our hearts and let us go forth this week navigating in growth and truth, in joy, in faith, obeying Jesus, our Lord and Savior, King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, thank you for the Holy Spirit who enables us to walk out in your commandments. We thank you and give you all the praise and glory. We're expecting a fabulous week ahead of us. In Jesus' name, let's just make sure you love on somebody going out. We have uh, snacks downstairs, so partake of that. And let the love of God that's shed abroad in you pour out on your family tonight. Amen. that music. It's so beautiful. Praise the Lord. Welcome everyone to Church of the Word International. Thank you so much for coming tonight. Obeying the Word of God, assembling yourself with other believers. Amen. We get to. Remember that. We get to. That's important. In Psalms 111 it says, praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endures forever. He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Aren't you glad he's full of compassion? He has given food to those who fear him, reverence him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant with you. He has declared to his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of nations. The works of his hands are verity and justice, and all his precepts are sure. They stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever, and holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and a good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. His praise is in you. You, from the fruit of your lips, offer a sacrifice of praise unto the Lord. It's like incense that he smells on his throne. So let's stand up as family tonight and let's give him that praise that is so due his name.
with the love of God. Hallelujah. Is your heart overflowing with thanksgiving tonight? From the moment you got born again, you entered into a brand new kingdom. The kingdom of your God, your maker, your creator, who loved you and loves you. And you stepped over into that. On that very moment, we'll sing, we'll dance, we'll rejoice, we'll love, we'll magnify, we'll honor, we'll give glory to this wonderful maker and creator. We'll give glory to Jesus who made it all possible. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's just give him a great big praise tonight. Thank him from your heart for your salvation, your redemption your healing for everything that you have gotten and received. We are just grateful tonight, Lord. Our heart is truly overflowing with thanksgiving, honoring you, King of kings, Lord of lords, Jesus, our Savior and Lord. We give you all the praise and glory tonight. Father, we thank you for this time together. We are really grateful for it. We never take it for granted, Lord. It's precious to us as a family. Thank you for knitting our hearts together tonight. Thank you for that love that's been shed abroad in each one of our hearts. Thank you that you enable us to not only love ourselves, but to love one another because of Jesus. So let's do that tonight because we're in the family of God tonight. Turn to your neighbor and let them know that you love them and you're so glad that they're here tonight. Hallelujah. The children may be dismissed and we send you out with the blessing of the Lord and your teachers anointed with great blessing tonight, great revelation and great anointing in Jesus' name. Amen. And half the house leaves. Well, good evening again, everyone. I trust you're glad that you're here tonight. Yeah. We're sure glad that you're here. Well, we'd like to welcome you if you're here for the very first time. So if this is your first time here, anybody, any guests in the house, we'd like to welcome you. I see the Freedies are here. Welcome. Let's give them a clap. Well, we're going to prepare to return the tithe to the Lord, so if you need a cash envelope for your giving, you can raise your hand, and the ushers will make sure you get one. How many know that God is your provider? We spoke about that last week, and we believe that. We're trusting Him to meet all of our needs. We're relying on Him. And tithing demonstrates this. Tithing demonstrates that you really believe God is your source. So you're putting him first. You're acting on the word and you are trusting him. But I want to stir your faith in the area that God is a, not just a meeting your needs, God. He is a good provider. He is an overabundant, excessive, over the top, more than you can think or ask kind of provider. Uh, Psalms 132.15 says this, speaking of the people of God, said, I will bless her with abundant provisions. It doesn't say, I will bless her with just enough, barely enough provisions, just, you know, right here, abundant provisions. Psalms 112 tells us that the house of the upright is blessed. 
and that wealth and riches are in her house. Now, do you believe that? It's what it says. What if you don't believe that? What will it happen? Any, will it happen if, just because God wants this for you? No, it, we have a part to play. You know, there's scores of Christians who think it's a badge of spirituality to be in poverty. You know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure why they're so opposed, but they, they are. They're, I mean, I've known denominations like that. And they you know, adamantly oppose things they would consider excessive. Well, if we, if we don't believe what God has offered us, we're not going to walk in it. I mean, salvation's like that. I mean, he, he's, Jesus came and gave up his life, went to hell for you and I, but if you don't believe it, if you don't receive it, it does us no good. So I want you to stir you in this, that with the kind of God that we serve, the blessings of God do not fall upon us automatically. We have to re- believe it. And there's usually ifs involved. You know, if you hearken unto my word, if you obey me, if you return the full tithe, if, you know, there's ifs, right? So we have to believe, and then we have to act on his word. Well, okay, how about this? Is God excessive? Because there's a lot of, there, you know, there's a lot of Christians that believe, well, yeah, God will, will meet my daily needs, you know, provide the daily bread, but, you know, you shouldn't have one more thing than what you absolutely need. Because that would be excess. And we should be conservative. Because we're conservatives. <laughs> well, is, is God excessive? Just look at creation. Just look at creation alone. Why do we need so many animals? Why do we need thousands upon thousands of different kinds of fish? in different kinds of shapes, colors, and I mean birds. I mean, wouldn't two or three trees be enough? Why, why do we need, is he excessive? Does God not know when the cup is running over? You know, God, if the cup runs over, all of that uh, is going to fall on the floor and be wasted. Don't you know when the cup is? I mean, shouldn't you just give till just the top? Because we don't waste. No excess. Doesn't he know when the boats are full? Don't you know you're about to sink the boat? Don't you know the, the nets are about to break? He's an excessive God. We're to follow in his example. If our thinking is so small, how, you know, if it's taking all the faith I can muster to believe for my light bill to be on, to believe for my groceries, to be on the table for my kids to be in diapers. Well, they're not in diapers anymore, but (laughs) one day it took all the faith I had for that. How am I in faith for to bless you? You know, which way can God get more through to others? You know, a big two-foot pipe or an itty-bitty coffee-stirring straw? We've got to expand our thinking. This is how God thinks. He's an excessive God. Where to think like that? Now, it's not just for you. You don't think excessive and abundant because it's like hoarded all up for me and selfish thinking. God doesn't think that way. He thinks excessively towards you. He wants to bless you. He gets crazy excited and delighted to bless you. 
We are to pattern after him. So, turn to Psalms 23. We are blessed to be a blessing. You know, I heard this illustration. I'm going to share it with you. Think about this. Because our state, our well-being, reflects on our Father. The same way the condition of your kids kind of reflects on you. Okay? So imagine you lived in an area of the country where they still, you know, um, there was like real sheep herders and real shepherds and flocks and lammies and stuff. And you heard of this amazing shepherd. I mean, dude, there was nobody better than this shepherd. He was the standard. He was so great, so glorious. This shepherd, I mean, was the most wonderful thing you've ever heard of. You've heard all these good things about him. One day, you hear that he's coming to your village. So you run down to where you can see the path that he's going to be coming. He's going to be coming around that there hill. And you're watching the path. Here comes the shepherd. Oh, he is a sight to behold. The honor about him, the nobleness in his eye, the, his kindness just oozes from him, and the splendor of his robe. You've never seen a more splendid robe. His staff, I mean, he's got all the right equipment. He's, and you're just in such awe of his gloriousness. And you look to the flock, and the flock looks like pitiful. Ribs showing, burrs stuck in their wool, tongues hanging out because they're so thirsty. One's missing a tail and a leg, another one's coughing, <laughs> dragging their tail, barely able to bleat. They're so weak. You, you, do you want to be part of that flock? Oh, come on, join the flock. The shepherd's great. The shepherd's good. Be part of the flock. Now, I want to say that, but don't think that I'm blaming the shepherd necessarily. He may have taken that flock to where there was green pastures, and they're like, no, we, we don't believe in excessiveness. We don't believe in green pastures. We are opposed to too much. We don't believe in healing, so no. I know you're offering to take care of my wounds, but no, no. So I'm not trying to say that, this, that it's as... That it's the shepherd's fault for the condition of the flock. But us doing well reflects good on the Father. It does. All right, you ready to read Psalms 23? It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack how much? Nothing. I lack nothing because he's my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, wait a minute. A sheepy that wants to lay down in green pastures means he has eaten all he wants to eat, and he is just so full he can't put in one more bite, and he wants to roll around and frolic. Just, phew, let some of this settle before we go at it again. Abundance. He leads me beside the quiet waters. Quiet waters are safe waters. Peaceful waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, keyword is through. You're not making a tent there. You're not making a camp there. But in it, he says, he's with us. He says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You got to keep your eyes on the through. 
Maybe you're in the dark valley. Maybe you are facing a really hard trial. Remember, through. He walks you through that. And I will fear no evil because he's with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. Isn't God the God who prepares? He sees ahead. He prepares right in the face of these pressures and this imminent danger. He can do it. And he can make a spread. You know, you look that word up, that table is like a king's table, a banquet. You anoint my head with oil, my cup, just to the brim, because God doesn't want us to waste anything. My cup runs over. Abundance. Abundance. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is our shepherd. I just wanted to stir you up in that. Just expand your thinking. And not to be live selfishly, hear me, but he wants us to be a blessing to others, and you can't be a blessing when you've got small, small thinking. You know, in, in Malachi, you know, when we're thinking about returning the tithe, if you don't believe the abundance talked about, the promise to the tither, will you experience it? I cannot walk in the blessings of God any further than I'll believe them and receive them. And I want to read this out of the Young's Living uh, translation. You know, talking of, he says, bring in the full tithe and and try me in this. Young's Living says, do not I open to you the windows of heaven? Yea, I have emptied on you a blessing till there is no space. Wow. Isn't that amazing? So believe it, believe it, believe it so that you can be a blessing so that he can, you know, there's no end to it. You know, there's you, you, you be in the pipeline to God. He can bring it back in and you just keep, it just keeps flowing. All right. Well, take a hold of your tithe and let's return that to him. Father, we're so grateful to you that you are such a blesser and that your heart is so good towards us. Lord, expand our thinking on this. Expand our understanding that we could walk more to a greater degree in your blessing so that we could be a good reflection on you and that we're able to bless and serve those around us to a greater degree, that we could be, have more impact to the kingdom, for the kingdom. So I, I thank you for these tithers. I just ask you to bless the tithe, bless the people. And we thank you for meeting every need in this house according to your word. In Jesus' name, and amen. amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets, and the people will give to the Lord. I also want to say this, that at the back, after the service, we will have, um, Paul will be with the alms basket in this house if you have a need. Please help yourself to the alms basket. And likewise, if you feel the Lord move in your heart that you want to add something to the alms basket, um, it is there and available for you to do so tonight. And that'll be at the back. Tomorrow night, we have youth and young adult uh, impact here at the church at 6. A big uh, note that I want to make here in the announcements. Unfortunately, our paper, our sign-up sheet for the ladies' breakfast got, I don't know, it disappeared. Somehow, grew legs, walked, something, it's gone. The first page, we have the second page. So like people 18 through 30-something, we have your names. But if you are on that first paper, we do not know who you are. 
If your name is already on that second paper, what I'm asking is all the ladies here that are planning to attend, could you please go back and look on the back table and see if your name is on that second page. If it is not, please add it. We have a new sheet of paper. So look for your name. If you're planning to attend, please put it down. You don't need to put your name down two, three, four times. Just make sure your name's there because we're setting up Wednesday and we do make a place for every single name on the list. So super important. I was told there was a children's ministry meeting right after the service. Is that correct? Five Five K elementary and juniors, teachers and helpers only. So not preschool, not nursery. All right, y'all heard that. And, and is it here or downstairs? Right up front. Okay, Reba had wanted me to mention that. Well, your pastor's coming home this week. He summited. It's been an amazing trip. I'm sure he has lots to tell all of you. I've been able to. We've had some contact but not you know as lengthy as I would have liked of course you know a few really cool videos of you know elephants and hippopotamuses and and things you know now they're they're down they're they had um they're going through a safari so keep praying for him and he will be here next week